Welcome to Bina, the Dance in Africa podcast. Bina is a deep dive into dance in Africa, past and present for the culturally curious. I'm Ntari Mofgeng, your host. This episode is part two of our conversation with Dr. Kaite Kiru, where we really dig into some of the dynamics of dance in Africa between traditional dance, contemporary dance, and everything in between. As the head choreographer of the Bomas of Kenya, you have like a responsibility that I'm sure even when it's written down, it doesn't even capture the importance, right? Like it's not enough to show because you're like, you're an archivist, you're a historian, you are transmitting, you're, you know, you're telling stories, you're transmitting to another generation, to a broader culture. How do you, you know, how do you carry that responsibility? What does that role mean to you? Wow. Huh, it's difficult. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> It's not easy. Well, you know, being a, okay, number one, there are several elements to that because number one, uh, already being a choreographer who, uh, or a creative, or just even say any creative who operates in a government system is already a challenge in its own. I'm just going to be honest <laughs> because government is government everywhere in this world. <laughs> yes, it has its good side. It has also a lot of its bad sides, you know, and I think in the African context, we all know some of the challenges we have in our government. Uh, so there's already that challenge of being um, in a position in which you're mandated by the government, but also there's a second challenge uh, that comes with the, 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 the materials that you're going to work with as a choreographer, which basically means that uh, in my day to like in my daily duties or in my, my, my current job uh, is that I am there to preserve. So I am there to Yes, but I am also not there to completely create. <laughs> not to explain this balance between creativity. That this repertoire that I'm working with on a day-to-day basis is a repertoire which has been built throughout 50 years. So it's it's a repertoire that's not like it was built progressively throughout a period of 50 years. Actually, we are turning 50 this year uh, uh, as an organization. You see. So it also means that prior to me and my existence in that place, there were so many other choreographers and other creatives who have passed through that place and worked on these materials. And from where we sit, as much as I can play around with some of the content, it is really important for me to also respect other people's creative input and other people's authorship. So there's the element of preserving in terms of you can't really experiment too much with the content because you need to be as authentic and as, you know, as respectful towards the community or towards the culture that this content came from. But from my side, there's also the element of like, you also need to respect the authorship and the work that was put into these products or into these stage um, uh, performances before you came in, <laughs> you see? <laughs> and it's very interesting to see how the different creatives and the different choreographers have managed or have handled the same type of... It serves also as a sort of a museum because dance, even traditional dance is not static. Tradition is not static. Tradition continuously evolves. So if you have a dance, which uh, a dance, let me call them a dance, let me call them genres, you know, because these are actually dance genres. They're not dances. They're like a specific idiom. Yeah? If you have a dance genre or an idiom which was introduced into the national repertoire in 1973, and it's still practiced by the people who it belongs to, in quotes, <laughs> then when you compare that dance performed on our stage, which was there in the 70, in, in 73, and the way it's performed right now in the community, you will notice and you'll see how much it has 
evolved and how, how it slided, <laughs> you know, to see, and how it evolved on the on the ground uh, among the people who are practicing it. And you find that the one that is in Bomas, uh, the one is just in, in our dance company, is maybe even it's it's more doesn't think it's more like a, a museum object, you know, it's something that you cannot no longer witness in reality in the community. Because even if they practice the same genre, of course, generation after generation, things have changed through transmission, through different, you know, different factors, you see. So our version now becomes like a reference to the past is lost, which is no longer there. I think in a kind of um, tricky, <laughs> tricky space to be in. Uh, I definitely think that um, it, to a certain extent, sometimes you can feel like it's it's limiting in terms of the creativity you can put in as the choreographer. But at other times, you definitely feel like you are doing important work in terms of archiving things and in terms of producing things which five years, ten years, or even three generations from now uh, are going to be really important to be able to even understand the country and the history of the different things that were happening across in different cultures and in different communities. I also believe strongly, and that's just my my own <laughs> personal struggle. I also believe that's that's something I gave myself. I'm not I was not assigned that duty, but I decided to add it. Is that I also think that being in such a position and uh, being um, coming yourself from a creative background and coming yourself from a world of freelancing, you know, from a world of working with smaller dance troops, from a world of uh, studying abroad and whatnot. I strongly feel I have a very big responsibility also in terms of uh, advocacy for the dance sector, because I'm now like this sort of an alien <laughs> from a different world and from a different space with very different ideas you know but in this context which is governmental but at the same time in a, in a, in a position in which I can be able to impl to to implement change I can be able to push for change I can be able to give uh, informed uh, recommendations as to how can we help the dance sector in Kenya grow so it's not <laughs> it's not a duty and responsibility in written in my work contract but personally I really care about that element of my work. And because I, I have so many friends in Kenya who are in the dance sector and because I know the challenges that other artists who are not in the government employment face, you see, I really feel like it's also my work to try and bridge that gap between, you know, the kind of a conservative governmental, you know, bureaucratic approach to the work we are doing and the more open, you know, like more link us with the general and, you know, the, the full creative sector and the dance sector that exists in Kenya. So, yeah, that's also another thing <laughs> that I'm trying to do. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm trying my best. <laughs> I'm a big supporter of it. So I'm glad you added that um, extra set of responsibilities because whenever, you know, you can open the door for more people to come through, for more mm. um, resources to be shared, then we always should definitely do that. And, yeah, each country and each city has its own context for for what the challenges are faced in the dance sector but I'm, I'm sure there are some similarities even though you know to some extent yes. South Africa obviously has a different history that creates a certain dynamic but there are still challenges so I'm always very supportive of hearing that you know somebody's trying mm. to kick the door open wider for other people yeah and then another thing we pro another problem we have in Kenya and I don't know if this applies <laughs> to everywhere on the continent but definitely it's been a challenge in Kenya is that another thing thing that I'm seeing on how we can progressively, I'm not, I'm not trying to say I'm going to single-handedly achieve <laughs> or, or change the world, but how can we progressively also bridge the gap between tradition and contemporary dance expression? 
because I find that, and, and this goes back to the conversation we had, the, the, the thing we were saying at the beginning of our conversation, we've been talking about West Africa and how West Africa is influential in the dance sector. I think it's also because they actually found a way of bridging that gap and infusing their contemporary dance with their traditions and vice versa. You see, in Kenya, we still haven't managed to do that, <laughs> at least that's from where I sit. And I'm usually, I'm very open about it. I'm very critical about it because I have a lot of friends who work in the contemporary dance sector and usually tell them, all that is fine. However, <laughs> whether you want to, whether we like it or not, in, in this 2021, we are still in a world in which wherever you take your dance piece to, whichever platform or stage you're going to go and take and perform it, people are going to introduce you as an African choreographer. Whether you like it or not, that's a whole other thing we could discuss. Why is it so and what are the historical background to that? But it is a fact. So you're always going to be, even in your program, you know, even if there's another dance to perform before you or after you or whatever, what is going to make you stand out or how you're going to be presented is like, oh, this is something new. It's from Kenya. Wow. You've never seen dance from Kenya. You know, this is, you know, an African choreographer, you see. But now what the person will see on stage will not have will not speak of that you see what i'm trying to say on the contrary i find that a lot of times kenyan choreographers when they try and i'm gonna use another word that i have to use uh, <laughs> quotes for but anyway when they try to africanize let's just call it that way because that can also be discussed but they can try to africanize their contemporary dance expression I don't think they're conscious of what they're doing necessarily always, but a lot of times they're again borrowing from the West African dance vocabulary. Just because even from their perspective, that's what they know African dance looks like, you see? So there's definitely a very big gap between contemporary dance and traditional dance. And then there's also a very big gap in the sense of contemporary dancers don't really have interest into traditional dance. They don't do their research. And I think that is a shame, you know? <laughs> they don't, like, if, if you don't know where you come from, you don't know what, what, what is this, like, who, <laughs> what, you know, like, how are you even look, going to look for your own language, you see? What are you gonna build your own language with? Especially knowing that in Kenya today, we still don't have a dance academy and dance is still pretty much not taught in universities. I mean, it's kind of there, but not really. As in, you cannot come out of any Kenyan university with a BA or an, a master's in dance. It does not exist as of yet, you see. So most of these people were trained through interactions with, whether it's a Swedish choreographer who came to Kenya and did a project and worked with professional dancers and, you know, uh, did workshops and did professional training and developed a product with them, you know, whether it's these dancers who are funded to go and travel abroad and work somewhere, you know, but most people are trained by, with all respect, by non-Africans, have a better words to say it, you see. So there's this kind of a weird, you know, tension there. And I really feel like, like co contemporary dancers in Kenya definitely need, and I, by contemporary, I don't. I'm not talking about contemporary dancers, the dance genre. I'm talking whether you're doing hip hop, whether you're doing, uh, you know, street dance, whether you're doing, um, I don't know, jazz, whether you, um, you know, I'm just pop, you know, whether you're producing uh, dance music videos, you know. In any case, like there's a disconnect, you know, like it's as if there is no interest in understanding what is traditional dance in Kenya and where does it come from and what, like how do I <laughs> understand it and how it will help look for my own language and how to make me unique as a creator. So that's another thing that I honestly fight for a lot <laughs> and that's why I usually try and 
try and take our dance troupe out of its standards, or let's say out of the classical type of venues and talk about context of performance and bring them into alternate theater spaces, you know, bring them to different audiences, you know, have young urban Kenyans see, and not sometimes not just even see, even do a workshop, you know, and interact with these traditional dance materials, you see. So it's not like as we are there, it's like a kind of a museum. We are doing our thing in our own corner, you know. We are usually only visited by school children and, you know, but then there's a whole other dance world which happens in the same city around us. <laughs> but there is no connection between the two. So, you know, so that's also something I'm really trying to do is, you know, like give value and importance to traditional dance in Kenya and try and really bridge that gap between ah, these are people of traditional dance, these are professional dancers who are into higher forms of dance you know contemporary and what are considered also kind of more 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 refined more professional more important you know i think that is nonsense i think we are we are we should all respect each other and each other's work you know and we should actually look for ways of learning from each other you see and the same way as these dancers could fuse some of their tradition into 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 contemporary expressions the same way me I constantly push my dancers who are traditional dancers to train themselves in other techniques you see and to experience even if you're not gonna they're not gonna become classical ballerinas you know <laughs> but it is good for them to understand you know the language you know the structure and everything so just try and reduce that gap in between the two extreme the two poles that people consider so far apart yeah and i think that even the words i think that we have for describing different genres are part of the limitations right because for whatever reason when we think traditional we think old we think the past you know and i think some is it um and it's like that point you were making even earlier that the, those dances are not frozen they also are changing they are also happening in a contemporary time you know it doesn't yes. look like it did when the colonizers first saw it 200 300 years ago you know people have been dancing differently and so even that word contemporary or the word traditional sometimes it feels like it's a trap like it's holding on to something or it's transmitting something that is not um a full reflection you know because contemporary is about time <laughs> you know and there's lots of traditional dances that are contemporary you know definitely and it's even just like i think something i find interesting is i think indian dance has been they they speak about it as being classical indian dance and then they speak about like yes. contemporary indian dance but in in africa most of the time when we speak about the dances that you know our ancestors have been doing for a long time we, we use the word traditional it makes it seem like you said it's just like a folk thing people just do it you know but like you said there is a cla- yeah, like there's a classical like technique and then there's a you know um then there can be this fusion of mixing in different movement language that we have today and so yeah there's there's a lot to be said about the words we have you know so i really do understand when you use air quotes i'm also always thinking about like but what does that specific word mean you know if i use this word how will it be received so yeah no that's that's such a big part of it and then there's there's another thing about i don't know why on the african continent it's like the the whole concept of traditional dancers versus versus everyone else this whole perception that traditional dancers are not really professionals right they're not really schooled they didn't train in technique they don't understand you know like dance vocabulary per se you know uh they're these crude and educated individuals who couldn't do anything else in their life but do this thing right <laughs> this is the only they had a talent so it's it's just you know there's this perception like like traditional dance is just raw talent 
somebody was born with that talent and that's they found themselves doing that and they are also a school failure so they couldn't get another job you know <laughs> as opposed to a dancer who has schooled who has traveled okay and i really tell people that is that for information as far as i know in kenya the traditional dancers are more traveled than any contemporary dancer that i know <laughs> in kenya <laughs> as of now you see uh you need a foreigner to show interest into something for that thing to be start being considered as valuable so there's an element of being validated by outsiders always especially that sector you know if you haven't toured europe or us <laughs> you're not a successful performer creative i don't think it's only just us. i think the same thing probably applies to visual artists and other who work in the creative sector so being foreign of kings uh, because i have mixed origin and me pursuing my studies up to a level of phd and investing all this energy in traditional dance has kind of broken barriers it's kind of made people to ask them it kind of validated that 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 dance form as something which is very much uh deserves you know very much deserves attention very much deserves to be produced and presented on the same types of stages as a contemporary dance uh, uh, piece you see with the same type of you know technical requirements and proper lighting and all that, you know things which were considered very weird <laughs> apparently before kahive came and started saying no wait what are we doing you know <laughs> we can't do this like this you know i want to do this piece like this i want to you know so in a way that's what i'm saying is that i'm not i'm not trying to say that i'm going to change the world single handedly but in a way sometimes if you can just be the spark you see if i can just be the spark that kicks off the wildfire you know if i can just be the first person who did something unusual the first person who showed serious interest up to the level of phd into something that everyone else considered to be less artistic less professional less valuable you know that will mean that maybe after me and after another person and another person you know it will kick off you know <laughs> something you know it will it will start a process which you don't know where the process will end so i think that's another thing which 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 i've definitely experienced working with, with traditional dance in this country is that by the sole fact that i'm foreign and by the sole fact that i'm educated you know that i have papers or whatever uh people are like oh wow okay traditional dance really ah oh okay you know <laughs> so yeah that's also very a very important thing to mention yeah no <laughs> i can just picture you know um people being surprised that something that you maybe don't think is a big deal for somebody else they've never just thought about it in relation to to dance and they're surprised that oh what do you mean you must oh really so i can imagine some of those encounters are very funny you, you can't even imagine you can't <laughs> even imagine to what point it goes sometimes you know like i sometimes think i live in a parallel universe because like there's stuff that i could like i couldn't absolutely believe so we're talking about a national dance company which has been in existence for 50 years and then it waits for kahive some small <laughs> lady <laughs> who comes in in 2017 to tell them that oh you know guys if you're taking the dance company outside of its home theater space you need to have a technical writer <laughs> like you need to 
like, like there's rules for theater production. You can't, we can't just, just get into a bus and go, you know. But it's because there's this perception that the traditional dance, in any case, doesn't need to be miked. You know, I mean, miking doesn't remove or add to the authenticity of our product, you see. So obviously, it depends on the space in which you are. But, you know, depending on the size of the space, the size of the like, there are things which should not even be, you know, like, for me, it's very weird that I have to even <laughs> say such things, but that nobody thought of before. Nobody thought of before. You know, traditional dancers have, like my dance company, my people have been taught to project. As in when you're singing, project. Which means you're shouting, longer singing, you're shouting because you're trying to be heard by all these mass of people who is watching you, you see. So you know, anything like that, you know, which like I said, just a tiny technical example, shows you the kind of perception that people have or had of a traditional dance company. Traditional dancers, they don't need a stage. So you can put them there on the sides, eh? on the side of the stage, in that small corner, they beat their drums, you know, as people pass them by. No, 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 no. Me, I demand attention and I demand equal professional treatment as any other dance company or theater company which would walk into your event or your space. Yeah, and those are the kind of struggles. Yeah, it's, it's hopefully a generational change that will happen. And like you say, you start a spark and then someday they're going to be like Kenyan dancers who never even have to, like when you tell these stories, they'll be like, talking about <laughs> people take us seriously as dancers people you know mm. they they allow us to, to 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 work in a particular way we we use both our traditional forms and our urban styles and you know and one day they won't even be able to imagine the challenges that you're facing today that's what i hope <laughs> i hope and the following generations <laughs> will benefit from from all these trials that you've gone through and you see it's so funny that we are having these conversations in 2021 but <laughs> That's where we are. Imagine in the 21st century, this is where we are. We still have to talk about that dance ball, pile balls, a professional choice, you know. Uh, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with levels of education, you know. Traditional dance deserves the same kind of professional treatment as any other dance, you know. Those are still conversations we need to have. And th that's a part of the advocacy work that has to be done, I think. And I, I, I don't want to assume, but I, I, I probably, I think this is the case everywhere on the continent, at least to a certain degree. Yeah, I think there are there are definitely spaces that share. The, even I think even in one city or in one country, there will be different ways that people are experiencing similar challenges. You know, because even as you're speaking, there are elements of what you're saying that sound familiar to me sitting in South Africa, and there are other parts where I'm like, oh, thank goodness, you know, there have been some strides made about taking dance seriously in South Africa. But I bet you there's another dance company in the same city that is like you know we're still struggling to be taken seriously our style is not you know often brought into the more formal spaces and so somehow somehow we've got a long way to go it's like an old conversation that has worn itself out we recently had a very nice experience with the south african dance company and this is something this, this kind of and that's another problem by the way which just reminded me i need to talk about is that another big challenge we have on the continent is that we do not share experiences. We do not network. We do not connect. We do not co-produce projects. Okay, every single co-production which is done on the African continent is an African con country uh, or, a, I mean, a, a troupe from an African country in co-production with somebody from the West. Like, I don't know when are we going to... <laughs> 
<laughs> wake up and accept that why can't we work together and work like on a pan-african level first on like even like let's start from the continent level then now pan-african level you see because constantly you see as i'm saying is what i was mentioning earlier validation comes from outside you know success is measured by touring in you you know like me i want to tour the african continent i want to take kenyan dances to south africa zimbabwe and you know mali i'm not interested <laughs> necessarily you get what I, what I mean in taking them across the across the um, the ocean to be able to say oh we've made it this is a success so uh, i i mentioned this now because i just remembered we had a very nice experience recently um with the south african dance company and to that sense i would definitely say you guys are ahead of us <laughs> When it comes to understanding and, you know, and producing dance, you know, mm. in a more serious way. Does the name Lutanda tell you something? Is it Lutanda? Lutanda mm. Arts Academy? Yes, I'm familiar with them. That's amazing. Sorry. So they came to Kenya recently? Well, before yeah, COVID. So in terms, yeah, I was about to say, you know, nowadays when we say recently, you realize there was a one year somewhere in between there, which you've not counted. You don't recognize it, don't worry. So it was, it was actually in 2018. So 2018 is not that recent, but for me right now, it seems very recent. It's like last year, but one. 2018, it was a bilateral cultural between Kenya and South Africa. And basically, uh, we were hosting South Africans in Kenya and then now the second phase of the project which never happened by the way these are now the Kenyans were supposed to go to South Africa so the dance uh, the dance troops were just a part of a larger project yeah there were other uh, elements of cultural collaboration but yes uh, the guys from Rolando Arts Academy they came to Nairobi and we did with them workshop two workshops taught us some after South African dances we taught them some Kenyan dances and then after that we shared the stage and they had their production we had their production and it was at Bomas and it was, it was really amazing it was nice and as i say when it comes to production on the level of production you know you guys are definitely ahead of us i admit i i i, <laughs> I have been beaten that one for sure i still have a lot of strides <laughs> to make as compared to what the what was presented by them you know and my people were so impressed and it is good you see that's why i'm telling it's exposure also I always jump on any opportunity that in which my dancers can interact with other dancers from other countries, especially if, uh, countries on the African continent. Yeah, it's such a, that's the thing that makes me sad that we we don't get to see each other's work that much because it's not just the exchange of the of the dance itself; it's the the the, the tapping into all the ideas behind it. You know, it's the tapping into different ways of thinking about dance, and it's so sad that we don't get to share that with each other. Mm. And recently, this hosted by the Jomba Festival, they were having a colloquium, and the one mm -hmm. speaker, Boisitsa Kwana, was saying that you know one of the things, even when we talk about how people will go mostly and perform in Europe or in the US, he said it, it becomes that's the place where Africans meet each other and are able to exchange mm -hmm. <laughs> because you know. I, I've never, I don't think so. I don't think I've ever seen a, a, a dance troupe from Kenya or anywhere in East Africa. You know, I'm trying to think now, like, I don't think I've seen one like on a stage in front of me. You know, now obviously with COVID, I've been able to watch things online and things, and, and that's a different story. But I've never been in the same room with the lights coming on and off and seen, a, mm, you know, yeah. a, a company from East Africa. But if I was thinking about when I was going to school in the States, I was spoiled all the time. I could find something from somewhere in a different part of Africa that I just don't exactly. have access to now. And it's, it's crazy because we are missing out on mm. sharing and exchanging and, and developing our own 
dance sectors? So I feel like given all the challenges that we are experiencing, you know, of course there are variations to those challenges. I know some places have beta on one side and others are beta in another element, but they are to achieve progress in certain aspects, you see, because I, I always find that like when we talk dance, we, we kind of tend to limit ourselves uh, to thinking of, of performance alone, you know, but there's a whole other set of things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> whole, uh, what about, uh, you know, um, the, the production element of dance, you see? I mean, production, I mean, like, you know, the technical elements, you see? Mm-hmm. What about uh, how we market dance, you know? How do we access these markets, you know? What about how do we build an audience? Because I think one of the challenges that definitely you know, we have in Kenya is that we don't even have a dance audience. Like a lot of times when there's a there's a there's a there's a nice dance piece which is a contemporary dance piece presented. I mean, ninety percent of the audience are the other dancers. You know, mm. like how mm. do we bring in non-dancers into a dance space? You see, I, how do we teach dance and transmit it to a new generation? You know, so there's so many other elements of dance when you say the dance sector <laughs> that we could share on. It's not just about sharing performance in workshops and now me have tried and I've learned one specific dance from a specific community in, I don't know, Ivory Coast. But what about, you know, like everything that comes around it, you know? I would love, for example, like those 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 countries in Africa that have been able to establish good dance departments on university level and who are able to incorporate traditional dance into those departments, like I want to know, I want to learn, you know, because this is something that we don't have in Kenya. You see, so that's what I'm saying. There's so many things you could learn from each other, you know, and you could share, collaborate, you know, and help each other. But we continue. That is, I think it's a tragedy. And that that's proper. That is now neocolonialism. That, that's proper neocolonialism. That's why <laughs> we are where we are. <laughs> and it's so difficult because also the resources available for the sector still come from the same former colonial countries you know when you made the example about Mm co-productions exactly you know when they offer funding and grants they say okay but you must collaborate with an artist from our country and you're thinking to yourself I really want to collaborate with somebody on the other Mm -hmm. side of the border I'm I'm here I can see another country (laughs) I wish I could collaborate with the person just there you know so yeah we've definitely got a long way to go in terms of mobilizing resources in the broadest understanding of resources you know whether it's knowledge or money or transport or all of the different things yeah this this, this is in such a a a rich conversation and i'm so glad that you've been so forthcoming um so i really do appreciate that but i have one question that i definitely want to ask you before we wrap up which is which you've kind of touched on little bits of it about but if i were to show up today on your doorstep in nairobi as Mm -hmm. somebody who cares about and is interested in dance and i wanted to experience a dance class or experience a show where would you take me what what is what what is like one or two super exciting um opportunities in Nairobi around dance. Okay. <laughs> now I'm going to say again, I'm too critical, but it's okay. <laughs> this is good. So, we must be critical uh, as we build, as we contribute. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Of course, definitely, uh, as I'm saying, because that is my thing and because that's what I, what I was strive and I work in and I care about this traditional dance. So, of course, there's opportunities that are there um, uh, at Bomas of Kenya uh, because we are History, but also it's not just the history that makes us so uh, strong and self-sustainable. It's also the fact that we actually have a space, okay? As in we are members of a larger cultural center. So like for us, it's not like we are a 
project-based company, you know, like we have our home and we have our home stage and we have our rehearsal space and we have, you know, all those, our, our costume store and we, on any random day of the week where you can watch a dance show uh, of, I still feel like dance is uh, for someone who is interested, especially on a professional level. Um, there are, I'm not trying to, there are numerous dance companies that uh, work and operate in Nairobi, uh, where the contemporary dance, where the urban dances, there's a lot of, um, um, I don't really know how to call it, and I don't like to label people's work. <laughs> Let me just say Afropop, I guess, you know, and, uh, you know, and uh, music video, Nigerian music video style dancing and such things, you know. So there's so many things and themes, and, you know, and Nairobi is a huge city with so many young people. So, I mean, you can't even, I couldn't even possibly <laughs> begin to enumerate all the people who are active in that sector in Kenya. But unfortunately, I still feel like most of these people, uh, especially when you talk about small, small teams, uh, mostly perform when commissioned, which basically means they will perform, which are not performance events, but they want some entertainment to fill the gaps of whatever is the main thing in the event, you see. So it is still very difficult to find an evening of dance, which is dance for the sake of dance. We are not here because we are launching, I don't know, a new strategic plan for an organization, or we are here because we are, you know, and, you know, <laughs> you laugh, but it's true, you know, or we are here because it's a, a dinner for ambassadors from China. It's still very rare to get like a dance dance, <laughs> the, uh, you know, piece or a dance production, you know, fully. They do happen. Uh, and this goes back to what I was saying. It, uh, they mostly happen in the, in contemporary dance. And now I mean contemporary dance as the, genre <laughs> and and then those ones will happen uh they're very project-based so they will also happen a lot of times in uh, uh spaces which are actually spaces of european power let me just call them that way you know it's <laughs> okay should politely say cultural diplomacy but in reality you know it is always going to be the french cultural center the german institute you know and there's always going to be that element of Either it's co-produced with someone from abroad, or even if it's not co-produced with someone from abroad, it's the foreign institute which actually funded maybe the development of the production and such things, you see. Mm -hmm. So those ones happen occasionally. So if somebody was just to show up at my door, I could not guarantee him that within the next two weeks or three weeks, he'll be able to actually watch a dance piece or a dance production in Nairobi. Now, because I have so many friends, you know, I would probably take you to people's rehearsals. Even if there's no performances, I'll take you to people's spaces and people's rehearsals, you know, and uh, get you, make, make you get to know people, you know. Uh, there's a lot of, also a lot of teaching happening in Nairobi. But again, as I'm saying, uh, that teaching for now is still a lot heavily, mostly, um, let me just call it a fitness approach to dance. So it's like for people who are not necessarily professionals or interested in like now really understanding this or developing it, but it's a way of keeping fit, you know, it's a fun way of keeping fit, you see. So, you know, you sweat a bit, you move a bit and so on and so forth. So there's there's dance classes in every gym in Nairobi, right? But the question becomes is what is the content of these classes that are being taught? And most of the time you'll find this is a fusion of Afropop, you know, Nigerian styles, Caribbean styles, you know, a bit of dance hall, you know, a bit of, um, I don't know, sometimes it's in other, in other cases it's mixed with Latin, you know, Afro-Latin dances. So there's some bachata and some, you know, salsa there and then there's some Afro, Afro moves, you know. But if you were to walk, up to my door and tell me you want to attend a traditional Kenyan dance class today, trust me, you would not find it. <laughs>
So that is also something that I plan to work on in the future and work on it hard in the sense that uh, aside from being a performing arts center and aside from offering performances, I want us to go much, much deeper into uh, training and education. Not that for school-going children, but even for adults, you know, uh, and even for professionals who are interested, you know, in learning uh, Kenyan traditional dances. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, at times there's stuff happening. I'm not saying they're not happening. And there are so many people uh, and so many choreographers in Kenya who have who have uh, worked for years and decades, and I'm not trying to remove from anyone's <laughs> input. On the contrary, most of them are, I admire, and I know the struggles they've gone through throughout the years. People like... Um, Opio Kach, uh, talking about people like uh, Fernanda, Fernando Anangua, talking about people like uh, Matthew Ndiege, uh, Adam Chienjo. I mean, there are many people who have been active in the dance scene and who have been working, but I know the experience, the challenges they've been experiencing are because of this, because there's no structures in place. There's no, there's no policy to promote dance. There's no fund any fund or under any ministry or any government organization that could be destined to support dance you see that is why the dancer is in another in other words forced to turn towards the foreign youths because now how else are you going to support and develop your team so yeah so uh, there's a lot of things happening but uh, are we consistent are we regular i don't think we are there yet and then as i was saying the other problem is that and that's uh, there, there are there are few there are few schools uh, that teach classical ballet which have come up uh, strong in the last few years. But like even when they put on a piece, uh, like <laughs> you will find it is just you know the students who, who who train in ballet and their parents. That's the audience you see. But how do we manage to get <laughs> a regular in brackets a regular <laughs> citizen? interested in dance and willing to actually pay an entrance fee to come and watch this dance production because that also goes back to self-sustainability because if we can't sell whatever we are producing then what are we going to produce from you know <laughs> so it's a kind of a vicious cycle you know in which you have to ask for support from abroad but you don't want to but you want to be self-sufficient but you can't sell stickers i think it's, it's we still have a long way to go yeah, no, I, I hear that. And I think it, it, it's exactly um, perfect that the way this conversation started was with you saying people's perception, even that Africans just, it's a, just a, a raw talent thing when it comes to dance. It means that even us, as Af some of us also take it for granted. Why would I go and watch people dancing? <laughs> like, we can do it here. <laughs> Those people are not better than me. You know, like, why would I spend money on exactly. that? So there is a lot of there is a lot of mental perception things that we also have to work with. Yeah, not to mention, I always feel like the big struggle that uh, contemporary dance has in Africa is that it's like because of the way traditional dance is perceived and lived and considered to have meaning and considered to have all these things, you know, people like people they really like. <laughs> I think they have a hard time digesting contemporary dance because for them it's like, what does this mean? Are you saying like, what is this person trying to say? Are you saying like, many times, you know, like I, I go like, let's go and watch a dance, you know, and I go with a friend who is not a dancer, right? Uh, like they'll watch, watch, they're looking at me, they're wondering what is this now, huh? I mean like, it, this symbolizes what, you know? Me, I sometimes say, like, we have not yet reached the level in which we can learn how to enjoy movement for the sake of enjoying movement. Can't that be, can't the aesthetic element sometimes be enough? 
can that be a justification enough for you to sit and watch this thing, for example, you know? Because when somebody, with all due respect to honesty, when somebody is singing and performing a, a song on stage, nobody asks, like, what is the meaning of this? You know, like, what is, what is it? What is it? What is the person trying to say? You see? But if you go and watch a contemporary dance piece, people feel like there needs to be a hidden meaning. There needs to be a message there. Is this political? Is this, you know, like, why can't we, achieve, you know, l'art pour l'art, you know? Like, why can't art in itself be sufficient, you know? Why do we have to attach all these meanings and all these other reasons and motivations to the artist's creation, creativity, you know? Let people create and express themselves, you know? And just come and watch it and enjoy and say, wow, Adam, that was a beautiful piece, you know? I mean, that's sufficient sometimes. <laughs> but I think uh, African still has a problem suggesting that. <laughs> Why? Why is this person half naked? Why is this person just... <laughs> twisting their body there i mean what is the meaning of that is he a snake what is it you know like <laughs> it's, it's very funny sometimes <laughs> but it's true so true <laughs> i feel like i've had versions of that conversation as well <laughs> you know you bring somebody along and they go hmm, okay <laughs> i'm not sure what we just saw but okay <laughs> This has been so good, Kaitlyn. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate having this conversation with you. I'm really excited to to, to learn about your work and to to hear how you think about dance because it's so important that we keep challenging each other, even those of us who already like dance, but even for others who don't, you know. Mm. So thank you very much. Mm. I really appreciated this. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Bina, the Dance in Africa podcast. Tell a friend about us. Follow us on Instagram and sign up for the newsletter that accompanies the podcast at tinyurl.com slash binadance, B-I-N-A-D-A-N-C-E. All right, check you out next week with the next episode.